Praise be Jesus Christ. Praise be <coughs> Christ. Where did you see me? Name the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, so I've just returned from the a consolidation of liturgy with Bishop Kurt, and he consolidated with uh, uh, two mitered archpriests, two bishops, and consultors in the eparchy at the altar. And the rest of the priests were in their pews. And they were all dressed in gold. Everybody was dressed in gold. And uh, the bishop uh, gave a wonderful talk. He's a wonderful preacher. And then they had lunch for us. So anyway, uh, traveling is quite an ordeal. And uh, there were flocks of people in Phoenix because the uh, big sports thing there this, is there this weekend and I really could not afford to go to a hotel every night the hotels went up so they went from like 300 to 400 to 500 dollars a night before the game and the city was packed 200,000 people came into the city I wondered if the bishop knew that was going to be all going on and uh, when we all to make our way there. But uh, we got pretty good seats on the plane, and uh, the stewardess is always nice to us. And uh, we were wined and dined while we were in Phoenix, myself and my, my father here. And going out like that, and then the meetings were not, uh, they were just introducing the administrator of the eparchy to the consultors, to the staff of the uh, chancery office. And so there were gatherings with them. We were not invited to those because we're not part of that group. We had each group together uh, separately. So anyway, uh, <coughs> Getting to the uh, to and from, I had a wheelchair at the airport, but the rest of the time I got along just fine. My brother took good care of me, and they had nice rooms in the uh, rectory, so we stayed there. We couldn't afford to go to a hotel anyway, and so anyway, the beds were too big. I couldn't get into the bed; it was too far off the floor. So I called brother, and he pushed me up into the bed and I finally got on the other side of the bed I could put my foot against the wall and push myself around but everybody stays there says those beds are too big I don't know why they got such big beds but anyway and uh, Father James was very nice to us he gave us a book on exegesis of the New Testament then uh, Navarro University had trans uh, made this set of books so he gave us the first one on the uh, New Testament. It looks going to be very nice, very good. 
always looking for interpretations. It's got a lot of fathers in it and famous people who are commentating on there. They all have knowledge of Greek and Latin. So it's written in Greek and Latin and English, and it's, it's really a very nice book. So I'll be enjoying it. So it's a little too heavy to hold up, so I don't know how I'm going to hold it up, but I'll do the best I can. So we don't know when we're going to get a bishop. Uh, some are saying by June, others are not. And I think you shouldn't say anything because we don't know. It seems like the problem is this, that 40% uh, of the men they ask are turning down bishops. They don't want to be bishops. There's so much trouble in the world and in the church and the poor bishops. They're uh, being doggedly looked at. And the most dioceses are not doing too well because with COVID, the government changed everybody out of church, and so they have not returned to church. And so the collections and everything are down. So it's a problem time for the church, but everybody was joyful. We were happy to pray together and to visit with each other, and we didn't talk about it. Only the bishop talked about that. And... Uh, it was nice to have one of our own there, a bishop of our own, that understands who we are and what we are. So I, I did enjoy myself, and they took us out to a very fancy restaurant, and uh, it was really too fancy for us, you know. So, but anyway, it was okay, I guess. In the Gospel today, Jesus Christ asked if we know him, do we recognize him? And in all these different classes of people, the sick, the suffering, the lame. So when we were out away from the monastery, there were lots of people around us, and too many. And you know, Father Theodore, you don't like crowds. You don't like to be out of the monastery, but I need someone to go with me and take care of the luggage and all that so and watch me that I don't get knocked down or something because that's dangerous for me. And so he took very good care of me, and I thank him. And I think despite everything, he did enjoy the trip. He did it. I could see he enjoyed the trip. And he behaved very nicely, so I was very proud of him. And looking at the people around us and what they're preoccupied with is discouraging. That 200,000 people would come to Phoenix for a football game is sort of ridiculous. I think that their mind is not on the right thing. Um, I wonder if they all got to, say if they're Catholic, did they get the Mass or this weekend. Will attendance at the churches in Phoenix go up? That's what I under myself. Now looking at the people, and I wasn't overdoing it, I was just sitting there looking at them. So uh, they're all poorly dressed. They all seem to have money. 
and they're traveling around and they look like sheep without a shepherd. So in this morning's, uh, when they talked about the sheep and the goats, unfortunately our uh, experience here at the monasteries, the goats are much sharper than the sheep, but they have a bad reputation, at least biblically. And the sheep are sort of, you know, they just obey easily and push them around easily. And maybe they were saying that in the gospel today, the sheep are obedient and the goats are just sort of, you know, a little bit hardly to handle, you know. So we know that. And I didn't think about the people too much like that, but it's probably the same condition. So not particularly in our churches, but in other churches, other Catholic churches, attendance is not what it used to be. And I can blame the government for that because our government is sort of uh, atheistic and some of the things they vote on are really immoral and they're always threatening the churches that whatever little exemptions we have will be taken away from us if we don't go along with what they want. We can't go along with what they want. The Holy Father has trouble with that too. Some of the Catholic churches are sort of in rebellion. We should not be in rebellion over the teachings of the magisterium of the church. We should listen and form our conscience according to that teaching. Especially in America, it's a great problem. Because everybody in America thinks they can have their own opinion. But that's not necessarily the right opinion. The way these people are living, I don't think they're all living. Obviously, they're not all living according to the gospel and the teaching office of the church. Now, you're living in a dangerous zone, I should say, if you do not follow the teaching of the church. Because we are of the apostolic tradition, and we follow the teaching of the Father, especially in the Byzantine church, we are very close to the early church. We're very much like the early church. And that's a blessing to us that our forefathers in our Greek Catholic church, or the Ruthenians, preserved all that. And of course, we were always looked down upon as not being with it, not being modern or whatever. But I'll bet you, a lot of them are into heaven. I'll bet you, when God says in the gospel today, he observes those who are following the teaching of the gospel, he finds the group he loves. Not that he doesn't love sinners, because we're all sinners too. We're sort of a mixed blessing. But he loves us, especially when we suffer for the gospel and to do what's right. So this past period, the last couple of years, we've had people around us come here, pilgrims. Some of them lost jobs and things like that. They wouldn't take the shots and this and that. And the Archbishop of Seattle came out and said they should take the shots. But we have a right to form our conscience, especially in matters of faith and morals. But it should be the same conscience of the church. 
But on these other issues, church is not infallible about taking shots and things like that. And then a lot of people got sick and died. A lot of people lost their jobs by trying to form and follow their conscience. You're obliged to follow your conscience, and you're obliged to form your conscience, to keep it informed so that you are making the right decisions. And you cannot pick and choose what you like in the Bible and what you don't. You must swallow the whole thing and try to understand it. How can I understand more the sacred scriptures? I'm always amazed at uh, Bishop Kurt because he's, he actually preached straight from scripture, and he has the scriptures memorized. Uh, and he'll get up and go on these big, long things. He's very gifted, and he'll interpret the scripture according to the teachings of the church. That's why he is what he is and where he's at. They know that in Rome. He's very well received when he goes to Rome. They know what kind of bishop he is. I have to pray for him because he's now responsible three quarters of the country. Three quarters of the country. Uh, the priests are all doing well. They're working hard. But we don't have enough priests. And, uh, and we are very careful who we choose to study for the priesthood, but I think we have to take a few chances on some of these people. They're all very interested in the monastery, and they all thank me for being, being here and praying for them and their ministry and praying for their people. And Bishop, this is, I'm not bragging or anything else. I'm there. I have a line of people to talk to me. And the Bishop said to me, did more people talk to you than talk to me? I said, well, Bishop, it's because I'm a recluse and a, uh, so I have a, a proposition of being a little mystical and they like that. I said, I don't claim any of that. I'm a sinner like everybody else. But they said they, you need, they need to see holy people that can live the gospel. And those signs of those people are an encouragement to them. And of course they're interested to see us, to touch us and see us at prayer. And I advise the priest, you must be an example of prayer to your people to encourage them to live a devout life of prayer. And I mean a real devout life of prayer. Not the morning offering, the act of contrition before you go to bed. You shouldn't mimic the monastic life and pay attention to the Gospels and pray over them and spend good God quality time. Now what I'm warning you about is uh, no matter how much we do for God, it's never enough. There's always more we could do. It says so in Scripture, when you've done everything, you haven't done anything. But Jesus Christ is so happy when we do anything for him. Unfortunately, people talk to God for what they want. And they don't say to God, what can we do for you? 
That's why monastic vocations are important, because they're always, or they should be saying, God, what can I do for you? And he's responding by saying, you pray. You have a life of prayer. And we from the priests feel that the Epochy's gotten much better since they've had the monastery praying for them. And Bishop gets up and says, I have a monastery that prays for me. Like it was an unusual thing. It should not be an unusual thing. And actually, there are more and more monasteries than there used to be. If you remember, monasteries have to support themselves. And there's nobody out there. So Bishop uh, Dino was very good to me. When we started our monastery, he gave me $5,000 gift for the monastery. That's unusual. Bishops don't have that kind of money. But it was generous of him. He was fit for canonization. So I've asked for some of his clothing, and I'm going to get a picture and things, and I'm going to make a holy picture with a second-class relic of uh, Bishop Dino. That's how much I think of him. For his going through the process of being a servant of God, and then a candidate for beatification, and then a saint. We need these people. I know what you think about saints, but saints, new saints, are a sign that the Holy Spirit is able to work amongst us because the Holy Spirit sanctifies these people. Our epicry, eparchy, priests get along very well together. Uh, it's probably because we're small and poor, but above all, our priests are very prayerful. And when you see a priest praying, leave him alone. Let him say his prayers. And uh, tell them how much you love them. Tell them how much you appreciate their sacrifice. The people who pray, all of us, are the heart of the church beating. If that beat, I say to myself, if that beat of prayer stops, maybe the world will stop itself. What is keeping the world in existence? Not all these people running around like I saw in Phoenix, all partying, drinking, going to ball games. You know, I wish we had a some kind of a demonstration like that of people going to a you know a Congress, a Eucharistic Congress or something. They have them occasionally, and they're really attended. Actually, the people are going to the Congresses. You should encourage you are our young people. They go to the, so they're young, they can sleep anywhere, they can eat anything. It's easy for them to travel, and they're going to these things. So we're, we're all encouraged at the young people. And we know the schools and everything they go through are contrary to our Christian faith. That's okay. There was a fellow, they put all the wheelchair people in a row to take them up. And uh, Theodore finally got us up to the right spot. He did a good job. There's a guy that was all crippled. He was blown up in Afghanistan, I think. He can't use his legs. 
and other things which he could wish he could use. And I wanted to go over and bless him. So today I feel, as he talked to me about faith, I guess his faith is failing him. I wanted to tell him when faith is a gift from God to ask for it. And don't give in to these temptations. But he was very lonely because he kept talking. I could tell he was very lonely. But I, I'll pray for him today. I should have gone over and touched him and given him the touch of Christ on his body. Some people are frightened of people like us, but not many. Many may receive us very well. So we are a sign of our times, a necessity to holiness for the salvation of the world. And that's the way we're going to say we love our brother. So when we see these crippled people, these sick people, these in public, they're going somewhere, they're flying, they're in wheelchairs, they're, they're very bad off. Those are unattractive people to our society. But they should be attracted to us because we can say the words of faith to them. It's interesting, usually children are kind to them better than adults. It's sort of interesting. But I know it's a challenge. And I know all these people need a word, a kind word, from your lips about Jesus Christ. That's a really wonderful way to evangelize. If you don't know how much well-being you give them, and that will attract people to Christ and his church. What I should have said to him is, ask our Lord, and he will increase your faith. I should also say to him, you know, you're not exactly ugly. You're a cripple, but you've served our country. I did thank him for serving our country. So his whole world has changed by serving in the military. There's a lot of bravado about serving in the military. You know, and we, but we really don't appreciate what they put on the line. And he's lost all the faculties to have a normal life. He was well spoken, he was dressed for nicely, and he was telling us his, who he was and what his troubles were. And I tried to listen. That's important. So I'll tell you a little funny story to end so you won't feel too upset, but I was in the parish in Yonkers, New York, and I had to go out. So I got up and celebrated liturgy, and then I had some breakfast, and I was putting my black suit on to go out, and the doorbell rang. And there was a guy there. He wanted. He come. Oh, he had, a, he had a cycle of churches or circle that he would he um, he would go to the dig, and once a month you'd see him. And so anyway, I always gave him the same thing. And he always told me the same story of his tragedy of his life was his wife left him. And I'd heard it many times. And he was sort of a bo 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 bo, you know, diaper. But he was clean and neat. 
and I was in a hurry to get in my car and go to the appointment. I said to him, I'm going to give you your quarter. I said, in a sandwich, but I says, I have to go to a meeting. He said this to me. If you don't have the time to listen to my story, I don't have the time in need of your quarter. I felt that. He really wasn't coming for the quarter. He was coming to have some other Christian, some other believer, a priest, listen to his story. He wanted appreciation and love. That's to take care of your neighbor. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.